you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 123. As you're turning there, uh, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank the session for inviting me to be with you this morning. Um, It's good to be back. Um, Many, many years ago when I was in college here, I used to come and worship at First Pres from Auburn, and uh, those were sweet memories of worshiping God uh, with this congregation over in the old sanctuary. And uh, haven't been back since, um, but uh, it's good to be back with you now. Psalm 123 is what we're going to look at this morning. So let me read that uh, for us before we look at it. Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud." This is God's Word. Let us pray. Father, as we look at your Word this morning, we pray that you would uh, speak to us through your Word, that you would grant us the spirit of holiness, the spirit of truth, who is able to make your Word come alive into our hearts and our minds. Uh, Father, we thank you that your Word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We pray now for this illumining power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Woody Allen uh, once famously quipped that 80% of life is just showing up. And I don't know about you, but um, I I identify with that. Uh, A lot of life I feel like I've just shown up. I haven't done the preparation uh, that I wanted to do before I showed up. I haven't thought about things. I haven't prepared like I should. And I look back on whatever event that was in my life, whether it was uh, an appointment or uh, a social engagement, I think, you know, I really could have prepared better uh, for that event. And a lot of us, um, you know, that could be said, that could be true of us even for worship. Uh, a lot of us, you know, it's, it's part of our habit, it's part of our, it's part of our regular routine. We come to worship uh, each Sunday morning. Um, we come into God's house, uh, but uh, looking back, we thought, you know, I really could have done a better job uh, getting ready for worship. And I know that's true of me. There are times in my life when I think, you know, I, I really could have been better prepared uh, to meet with the Lord this morning. In worship, we enter into the very presence of God. Uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us that we don't enter into a sanctuary made with hands, but we enter into the heavenly sanctuary, into the very presence of God, into the spirits of just men made perfect, into the presence of angels who are arrayed in festal gathering. And, uh, you know, we get out of worship uh, what we put into it oftentimes. We get out of it exactly what we put into it. Um, a lot of preparation goes into Worship. A lot of people have put uh, their time and effort into this worship service this morning. Um, but we have a responsibility to put uh, our effort into worship as well, uh, to get ready, 
Think about how much preparation we uh, put into some of our regular events, going on a date or, or you know, going out to dinner with some friends, uh, a birthday party. You know, we put a lot of effort and uh, attention, a lot of our attention into these events. But uh, we don't often do that uh, for worship. This psalm is part of the Psalms of Ascent. This is a section in the Psalter uh, from Psalms 120 to 134 that were part of the preparation for worship. God's people used to use uh, these worships sort of as the pre-worship routine to get themselves prepared for worship before they went into the presence of God. Uh, Many commentators believe that these were sung uh, outside the sanctuary, literally as God's people were walking up the hill of Jerusalem into, into worship. Uh, some, of the, some commentators believe that these, there, there were steps going up in the sanctuary and that these were sung as they went up these steps into the sanctuary. Some think that these were the songs of exiles uh, that, the, that the God's people wrote when they were in exile uh, in Babylon and they were returning to Jerusalem. But uh, regardless of the context of which they were written, they were used in the life of God's people to enter into worship uh, when God's people were preparing their hearts and their minds to go into the worship of the Lord. So what can we learn uh, from, this, from this psalm about how to prepare our own hearts and our minds uh, for worship? Well, I want to consider three things uh, this morning on this theme of opening up, because I think that's the, song, the theme of this psalm. Not opening up to each other, uh, although that's appropriate. Not even opening up to the minister, uh, but opening up uh, to God. And the first thing that we learn in this, in this psalm is if we're going to really get ready for worship and get out of it what God intends for us to have in worship, we have to open our eyes. We have to open our eyes. Uh, look at what uh, this psalmist says. To you, I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in the heavens. In this short little psalm, the word eyes are used four times. And uh, notice several things here that um, uh, he's, he's probably not talking about his literal eyes, although you have to wake up and come to worship. <laughs> so literally we have to open up our eyes to get here. But he's really not talking about our physical eyes. Eyes in the Bible are a way of speaking about the object of your attention. It's what you're focusing your attention upon. Eyes in the Bible signify the understanding uh, of our hearts. It's descriptive of our attention. The Bible tells us that the eye is the lamp of the body, for instance, in Matthew 6. Jesus said to the disciples, Blessed are the eyes which see the things which you see. Jesus said to the disciples, don't you perceive and don't you understand, have your hearts not, are your hearts still hardened? Do you not have eyes to see? Do you not have ears to hear? Uh, Hebrews 12 tells us, let us fix our eyes. So when you see, when the Bible talks about eyes, it's not literally talking about our own physical eyes and our capacity to see. It's the attention of our hearts. It's our spiritual goals, our desires, our hungers the center of the attention, our attention and our lives. So the psalmist says, open your eyes, lift up your eyes. And he says, to what? To you whose throne 
is in heaven. He says, open your eyes, lift up your eyes, and look to the Lord. Worship is to look into the face of God. Worship is to look into the face of God with the eyes of faith. This is really, when you think about it, the goal of all human existence. We were made to live in fellowship with God. We were made to live in uh, face-to-face with God. And so deep within us is this longing to see the face of God. Deep within us is this, this passion, whether we can articulate it or not, this is what we want. This is what we're working for. This is what we're longing uh, to, to direct our heart towards. And when we were, through our parents, cast out of the Garden of Eden, this is what we lost. And so deep within us, there's this, every one of us, there's this passion, this longing, this drive to get back to see the face of God. This is, what, this is the constant theme of the Bible. The psalmist says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. First John says, we, when we become uh, glorified, when we are finally in heaven and are able to see God, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that when we behold the glory of the Lord, when we see Him with the eyes of faith, we are changed from one degree of glory into another simply by gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that at last He shall stand upon the earth and my eyes will behold Him. Now, some uh, traditions, the Roman Catholic tradition in, in particular, articulates this very specifically, and I call this the beatific vision. They say that, uh, you know, that there are certain people that God has granted the grace to see the face of God. But you know, this is not restricted to just a few people. Every one of us longs to see the face of God. And every one of us can see the face of God uh, through the eyes of faith. Worship is to look into the face of God and see Him with our eyes of faith. And this is the goal of our existence. To see God, you see, is the the cure to every one of our, our problems. It's the cure to every one of our issues. For the Christian, seeing God is the equivalent to being healed. Seeing God uh, is the equivalent to being uh, dipped into His love and healed with His soothing balm. You see, for the non-Christian, seeing God uh, destroys them. That, that, that causes them to come undone. But for the believer, this is, this, is, this is the pinnacle. This is the ultimate. This is the end to which all of our lives are striving to see the face of God. Now, this almost says this has got to be intentional. This doesn't just happen. We don't just normally and naturally by default see the eyes or see the face of God. This is why the psalmist says, to you I lift my eyes. Now this is, this is not a statement of fact. He's not saying this is what happened in worship, but it's really a statement of intention. Lord, I'm going into the sanctuary and I'm going to lift my eyes into your face and see you. You see, our eyes will never look to God naturally. Our eyes will, will never, left to themselves, turn to God. 
We have to lift them. Notice how he says we're to look. He says, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. This is not uh, looking to him out of fear. Uh, this is not what this means when it says the eyes of a servant or the eyes of a maidservant. That's not what he's talking about. It's not a fear, but the idea, idea here is to wait upon the Lord, to look to, to him with the eyes of waiting, hopeful expectation. The psalmist says in Psalm 62, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. You see, to wait upon God is to look to Him expectantly, waiting, waiting for Him to to meet us. It means to expect from God, and it implies dependence. It means sitting expectantly with faith and hopefully before the presence of God with your full presence and saying, Lord, meet me, Uh, speak to me. Uh, I grew up uh, in the Presbyterian church. My dad is a Presbyterian minister, and now he's a missionary. And so I, I grew up in a church very much like this. Um, uh, and, you know, the, um, the theme verse for Presbyterians is let everything be done decently and in order. And so we did things decently and in order when I was growing up. I spent my summers, though, in South Georgia on my grandparents' farm. And uh, those grandparents uh, were a part of the Assembly of God um, church. And so I would spend, you know, 10 months a year in a Presbyterian church and a couple of months a year in a Pentecostal church. And uh, there was all kinds of stuff going on. There were, uh, you know, speaking in tongues and healing and people getting slain in the spirit. We'd march around the sanctuary and all kinds of things that, uh, that Presbyterians don't do in their worship. Uh, but I tell you what, I, I learned so much about worship uh, by worshiping with my brothers and sisters and my family in that congregation. And there are, there are two things in particular that I took away from that experience looking back. Number one, those people went to worship and expected God to be there. They expected God to, to be there, to show up. If they showed up, they expected Him to show up too. And secondly, if God showed up, Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Uh, Their their greatest needs could be met. Uh, Their greatest hopes could be met. This is is what the psalmist is trying to to get across to us. To you, O Lord, I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in heaven. The first thing we've got to do to get something out of worship is to open our eyes. To lift up our eyes to look to the Lord expectantly, hopefully, waiting upon the Lord. The second thing uh, we've got to do uh, to get things out of worship is to open up our hearts. Open up our hearts. Look at what he says in verses verses 3 and 4. He says, Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. Now, we're not exactly sure what the context is here. This, uh, again, was likely written during the exile when God's people were in Babylon and they were literally suffering the contempt 
of other people. They would uh, be made fun of. They were ridiculed. Uh, and so, you know, they were, they were regularly being uh, ridiculed for their faith, persecuted for their faith. Uh, there's really, you know, this was probably not just on the day of worship, but really all of their lives. They were aliens in, in, a, in a strange land. But what this means for us is that these worshipers came to God with their wounds, with their pains. Uh, they suffered ridicule and hurt and wounds in their life, but they didn't check those wounds at the door. They came into worship with their wounds. You know, one of the first steps in being a disciple of Christ is the acceptance of who we are and where we are. It's one of the first things we have to do. We have to admit who we are. We have to take off the mask before the Lord. We have to stop pretending. We have to give up the game and be honest before the Lord. Uh, you know, pretenders, people who wear masks, uh, are, are preoccupied with how they look, how they look to others. They're preoccupied with acceptance. They're preoccupied with approval of others. And so what they project is not really themselves. It's not a true uh, picture of who they are. It's, it's a false self. It's, it's an imposter. Uh, and every one of us is, is susceptible to this. Every one of us. I, I spent years um, pretending before other people. And uh, I still find myself uh, slipping back into uh, pretending for others. I, I constructed an identity of uh, myself, a false self, a, this picture of who I wanted people to think that I was. And this picture was of knowledge, of ministry, of godliness, of a husband and a father. And I rationalized that if people thought well of me, this is what goes on in us. If people think well of me, then I feel better about myself and I don't, have to, uh, I don't have to deal with my sin and my guilt before the Lord. But the pretender is a liar. The pretender and the, is, and the imposter blinds each one of us to the truth about ourselves and we don't deal with the emptiness uh, within us and our own needs. Um, but... When we, when we refuse to stop doing that, when we refuse to come to put up the, the, the facade, and when we say, I'm going to come clean, I'm going to come clean before the Lord, I'm going to come clean uh, in His presence, what we find is um, that the Lord meets us exactly uh, where we need to be met. And that He is tender uh, with our wounds. He knows the wounds within each one of us. He knows the low places that need to be built up. He knows the tender spots in every one of our lives that need care and they need soothing. They need the balm of Christ. When we pretend, uh, we close ourselves off from the healing power of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we accept the truth of what we really are and when we surrender it to, to Jesus in faith, we're delivered from ourselves and we're set free from the things that uh, had enslaved us. We're delivered from ourselves and we're delivered from our past 
We're set free to a future that opens up to us in, in grand scale and enormous potential. We're brought into the salvation of Christ. And Christ's words that he said when he said, I came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly, those, those words start to sound true and possible in us. We have to open up our hearts, not just our eyes. And, uh, and that, that means we have to be uh, open with the Lord. We have to be very specific. Now, that doesn't mean we have to come and... and uh, share everything with everybody in church because this is really not about you and me. It's about you and the Lord and me and the Lord. And where each one of us is is between us and the Lord. Um, th- and we can be very specific. Notice how specific they are even in this psalm. Uh, they said, Lord, we have had enough of contempt. We had enough ridicule. What is contempt and ridicule? Well, people, ridicule is when people are opposed to you, but, but they do it uh, in a very nasty and hostile way. Um, ridicule is criticism plus anger plus resentment and dislike. <laughs> so it's really bad. Uh, it's that people try to oppose you, but they do it in a very, very painful way. They point out a weakness or a failure or a lapse in another person and try to use that weakness to push them down. And this is what this psalmist is saying. We've had enough of that. This is what's happening in my life. And so I want you to see how specific and how, and how vulnerable the psalmist is calling us to be before the Lord. Have you ever been ridiculed? Have you ever been criticized with an agenda of dislike uh, and not of love but a, and of building up? You see, this is the level at which we can be honest with the Lord and bring these wounds uh, before Him. Open up your eyes. Open up your heart before the Lord. And then third, open up your hands. Open up your hands. He says, our soul has had more than enough. Uh, But he says, we look until God has mercy upon us. Verse 2. We look until God has mercy. The posture of the psalmist here is of upturned hands waiting for the Lord uh, to be merciful to him. The word mercy occurs three times in, this, in these short four verses. Mercy is one of the, these, uh, the three most often uh, found words in the Bible along with the goodness of God and grace. But, and goodness refers to all that emanates from God in general. God is always good all the time. But mercy is very specific. Mercy is God's movement of grace and goodness towards those who are in need, towards the pitiful, towards those uh, who, who are broken. And in, in this case, it's, it's goodness of, the goodness of God showed toward those uh, who have endured a lot of ridicule, Uh, from the proud, a lot of contempt from the arrogant. And uh, God says he is willing to show mercy to those who are in need. The scriptures tell us, cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And that word he cares is uh, splangizomai, which is uh, a word in the Greek that says God is moved with compassion toward you. He is deeply moved within the, the depth of his being. 
This is what the psalmist is calling us to do, is to turn up our hands and to wait expectantly to receive the mercy of the Lord because uh, He will. He will. Open up your eyes. Open up your heart. And he says, open up your hands. I'll close uh, with this uh, story. Um, that it's, it's, I got it from a, a book written by... Uh, Roman Catholic priest named Brennan Manning. And Brennan uh, tells the story of when he was speaking at a spiritual retreat. Uh, He had just finished a long day of preaching and an elderly lady who had given her life uh, to the service of the church um, came and asked to speak with him. Uh, She was at the end of her life um, in the sunset of her time, uh, decades and decades of service and her whole lifetime of Christianity. As she began to tell Brennan her story, she began to tell him a story of abuse and, um, and tragedy and heartache that had lasted her whole life. Uh, he said he sat there listening. He could hardly believe just the, the story of pain and, uh, and heartache that she told him. And when she finished, um, he said, I, I want to ask you to do something. Three times a day, I want you to sit alone with the Lord, and I want you to turn your hands up, and I want you to pray a simple prayer. I want you to pray, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. And so she said she would, and she did. And he heard from her uh, over a year later. She wrote a letter of this, this healing, uh, of restoration, of renewal, of rebuilding in her life that came when she began simply to open up her eyes and open up her heart and open up her hands and receive uh, from the Lord what He could give to her in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.